live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. He looks right, comes left, throws down the sideline, wide open, George Kittle! Cuts inside 10, cuts inside again, touchdown! San Francisco! It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield. On ESPN Las Vegas. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, partying. Partying, partying. Yeah! All right, here we go. Friday, 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 Friday. It's funny, we just had a listener run up to the set, and he's like, you guys doing a show? And I'm like, uh, wait 30 seconds. I'm going to be screaming here. But uh, Friday, 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 John Von Tobel is inside the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. It's Cofield. I'm here. James is helping us out. They're treating us like kings here at the uh, Sportsbook and Bar. I'm fired up, man. There's, a, there's so many good stories to cover. Raiders this weekend, see if they can get off the deck. And uh, Josh McDaniels can take out his mentor. We got this UNLV story with Bobby Petrino, which... I don't know that I ever thought Bobby Petrino would be in this market, but he's here. And there's so much to look at in terms of his past, but also that's the off-the-field stuff. It's his football accomplishments and what he's done offensively. This should have players on UNLV fired up, and fans are very fired up. Stephon LaFleur's played at Louisville, and, you know, I was looking back at all the different quarterbacks that Petrino worked with, and I'm like, man, this guy put up some monster numbers. People know about Lamar Jackson, but... Louisville exploded under Petrino and put up just ungodly numbers. And the former quarterback is with us here. He's now a high school coach in Louisiana. How are you, sir? Good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Well, first of all, what's your reaction to, uh, you know, this this crazy trek that uh, your former coach has had uh, and now has him landing in Las Vegas? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's been crazy. I mean, I, you know, I think back to, to – um, when he was at Louisville in the first go-round, and then he left. Uh, and there was always kind of stuff, you know, Auburn was always in the mix. And uh, Being from Baton Rouge, I heard LSU one time. and uh, You just never knew where he was going to end up. You just knew that um, he was going to be successful wherever he goes. And, and uh, I had a lot of success that first go-round at Louisville, and then obviously the Falcons, and, and obviously ended up there. You know, I, when he ended up at Missouri State, I thought that was interesting. Um, just kind of knew he was going to land somewhere and do well. And I, I think he did well there for, for a couple of years. And, um, you know, you kind of hear rumors about Texas A&M and, you know, some bigger jobs as an OC and, and looking for a head coaching job maybe somewhere. And I just knew it was going to take somebody just to give him a chance. And, um, you know, UNLV, here we go. So hold on and uh, get ready to roll. So let's go back in time and talk about your experience with him and the offense he ran and what he did for you as a quarterback. Yeah, so, so at Louisville, um, you know, I, I was going into my junior year. I was the backup my freshman, sophomore year to Dave Ragone and, and uh, under John L. Smith. And, and um, you know, we had a good thing going, and, and Coach Smith left to go to Michigan State. And so Coach Petrino comes in, and, and some of the older quarterbacks actually had him as a quarterback coach, offense coordinator, when they were younger. And so all you heard was stories about, you know, how, uh, how he runs his offense and how he runs the show and how – how much of a perfectionist he is, and he wants it done a certain way, and he's going to let you know if you don't do it right, and he's going to, you know, he's not going to hold back. He don't care about your feelings, kind of thing. And so here he is as our head coach, 
And um, you learn that right away that all those things said about him were, were accurate. Um, he, he's a no-nonsense kind of guy. He was a perfectionist. And this was his first head coaching gig. So you're going to be a certain way when you, when you get your first one. And, um, and, and he was relentless in his preparation and, and how we practiced. And it was something that was brand new to me. And, um, but I, I, I felt like I made the most of the opportunity that, that he gave to me. And, and, um, you know, I, I was one that always strived to be perfect and a perfectionist. And, and, um, he put me in a position to do well and, and, um, put a lot on my shoulders from, you know, running the show. And, and, uh, it, it helped that we had good pieces around that were, that were, that were there and, and uh, really developed well under his system and his, his guidance. And, and, man, we had a lot of fun playing in his offense, that's for sure. Did you like being coached hard? And then what happened with guys who were like, whoa, I don't like this much coaching? What happened to those guys? Yeah, some of those guys didn't make it. Uh, <laughs> and, and and that's what people ask me you know, all the time about what it was like playing for him. I mean, if you could look past all the all the things that he would say to you and, and, and didn't take it personal, you were fine. And for me, I, I felt like I was raised that way, but, you know, that was hard on me, and so to me it was like, all right, well, you know, my goal is to do well for not only for myself, but to, to prove people wrong. And 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 there maybe were times that Coach Pacino maybe thought I couldn't do it. So for me, I was like, well, I'm gonna prove you wrong, you know. And so, you know, if you got tough skin and you can handle it, and you can go play well and perform and look past all the other, you know, nonsense that that doesn't really matter, you'll be fine because uh, he'll put you in a position to succeed. And if you can handle it, you'll you'll be just fine. By the way, you're being very humble, and we're talking to uh, Stefan Lafleur's who played at Louisville uh, in the first head coaching gig for Bobby Petrino. You had 37 touchdowns your junior and senior year with only 13 interceptions. You threw for nearly 5,700 yards. And the other thing is, I think in 2004, the number, I mean, I was looking at the point totals. You guys averaged 49 points a game. So, I mean, he got you humming to the point where you were the best offense in the country. Yeah, 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 no doubt. I mean, you know, the jump from 2003 to 2004 – you know, from his first year to second year in the system, uh, you know, it, it was, it was fun. I mean, it, it was, it was awesome. It was fun to play in. It was fun to be the guy that, that led that offense. And, and, and it was a, it was a focal point for us offensively. Hey, we're going to be the number one offense in the country. Yeah. We're going to, you know, we, we want to win all these games, but in the process, and, you know, we're, we don't want to just squeak by, we want to run it up and we want to score and we want to be explosive. And, you know, he, he had, he had a phrase feed the studs and, and, you know, we had some playmakers that, you know, he was creative and finding ways getting those guys the ball, but but he wasn't a spread guy. It was it was it was balanced, and we had running backs, and we ran the football, and we had play action off of it, and we, you know, did a lot of good things in the run game. You know, looking back at it now as a high school coach, you you, you appreciated even more the things that he did and and the timely play calling. And it's not like it was great X's and O's that you've never seen. Oh, you never seen that play before. It was just when he called it, knew knew how to attack a defense and knew how to put you know guys in position to to do well, and it. It was a blast. I mean, yeah, there were times we'd go into a game and he'd say, hey, look, on this play, if they give us this look, you better check it to this room. And if you do, we're going to score. And it, it, it would play out exactly how he had planned it. And, um, you know, you got to execute. But, but man, he, he, he put you in position to do that. So you've given some good reasons to us as to why uh, players on the team, on offense, should welcome this, why recruits should welcome it. But I, I will ask you, um, and I've asked other people this. If you were on the staff, say you're the quarterback coach on UNLV and you know you're working with Bobby Petrino, you go out, you're recruiting people, and a parent says, hey, I know about Bobby. There's this, this, and this off of the field. Like, what would you tell them in terms to overcome that? Like, how do you get around that in terms of talking football? And also character, discipline, you know, loyalty, accountability. Yeah, no, good question. Um, I, I do think, you know, and I, and I haven't talked to, to Coach P in a while, um, 
you know, it's been a few years, but, but I, I noticed, I noticed a huge difference from obviously playing for him 0304 to, you know, I ran into him, um, you know, when he was at Arkansas down at the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, I ran into him, talked to him for a little bit when he was at Western Kentucky. And then when he was at Louisville for the second go round, I was in Louisville at the time and, and he, he, he was different. And obviously he, he's had some incidents that happened. Everybody knows about, um, that, that are, you know, it, it is what it is. I think he grew from that. I think he, you know, he, he's, he's improved from that. Obviously, you know, it, it was hard on him, you know, and he has to accept that and, and he's the one that's got to live with it. But, but I, I would just say this, I mean, I, you know, from a football standpoint, you know, and, and we all know coaches will use players to, to, to get to where they want to go. Man, as a player, sometimes you got to look at it from that standpoint too. Like, hey, look, if I go in there and I, I look past all the other stuff, I want to go play football and, and make it to the next level or do really well and, and whatever, whatever it is you wanted to do with your football career. And if you just listen to the guy and just get coached up and look past all the other stuff, He's going to put you in that position to, to, to do well. And if you can handle, again, all the other stuff, man, he, he, he's going to do well. You could do well for him. Yeah, I was going to say that the, the real short answer to kind of skirt all of it, and your explanation was great, is uh, you, know, you, you basically tell a parent, hey, do you want your son to play in the NFL? Because Bobby Petrino <laughs> has a track record of sending guys to the NFL like yourself. You I mean you wind up being a fourth-round pick in the uh, National Football League draft? Yeah. Yeah, and if you know, if you would have told me that prior to '03, I, I would have said you're crazy. I'm just trying to find a way to get him and contribute at level. <laughs> and yeah, fourth round pick. I mean, and I, I I owe him a lot of credit uh, for 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 that opportunity and for all of that. So yeah, so I mean, if if you're quarterback, you know, running back, receiver, you know, whatever on the offensive side of the ball, you know, I would think you would need to be excited for for this hire and and uh, and be ready to to, to go to work and and be open minded and tough skin and all that good stuff and, and um yeah it'll be interesting I, i'm, I'm going to tune in i'm going to i'm going to be a rebel fan here and see see, uh, see what happens good deal uh stefan lafour is with us who uh, played quarterback at louisville under head coach bobby petrino at the time he's now a championship winning longtime championship winning high school coach was in louisville you won some championships there over the course of what eight years now you're at a powerhouse in uh, baton rouge at parkview baptist what did you learn from Bobby Petrino as a coach, whether it's X's and O's or the way you go about, you know, discipline and teaching? What are some of the biggest things you learned from him? Yeah, I mean, everything we do terminology-wise offensively is everything from Bobby Petrino. And and, and even John L. Smith, because, you know, Petrino is under John L. Smith. Again, like I said, as the OC in Scotland was the OC um, kind of when I first got to Louisville. So, and, and when Petrino got there in 03, not a lot of terminology changes. There were some new things that he had picked up along the way while he was gone. But yeah, everything we do from from formations to to how we how we name plays and the run game, pass game, you know, all that kind of stuff is all from Coach Petrino. And and um, you know, I, you think back as, as when you're a player, obviously as a quarterback, you got to know all these different things. But now as a coach, man, there's I wish I could go back in time and really really kind of remember or take notes on some of the little things, maybe the offensive line play, like some of the things he talked about that maybe I was like, oh, that's old line stuff. I don't really, I don't need to worry about that. But now as a coach, it's like, man, I, that would have been cool to really know how he attacked and how he taught different things. But, but from a, from a base personnel terminology, um, you know, and approach uh, from a play caller perspective, you know, I, I try to, a lot of the things that I do now uh, kind of goes back to what I learned as a player under him. 
Stefan, I appreciate a couple minutes. I know you're a busy guy, and I'm sure, you know, like I said in the uh, the request to get you on, I was like, hey, it's, sorry, it's Vegas checking in. A little bit weird, but but your old coach, Bobby Petrino, <laughs> landed here. So uh, we definitely want to get you on down the road, and maybe next season we'll talk a little more football. And glad you're doing well. It sounds like you're a hell of a coach, and uh, life's going well for you. So uh, thanks for popping on with us. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, and uh, we appreciate it, man. And hope all goes well down there with him. All right, we'll see you. There he is. Stephon LaForest, who, uh, like you said, you know, was just kind of fighting to play college football back in 2003. By the end of 2004, the guy was uh, at the helm of the best offense in the country at 49 points per game, and uh, he wound up going to the NFL as a fourth-round draft pick. We'll build on this. More Bobby Petrino coming up. Is uh, This will be a topic for weeks and weeks and weeks leading up to spring and uh, more fact-finding on the, the uh, person, the coach that uh, Bobby Petrino is. But up next, we're going to get into the uh, National Football League, talk to Mark McMillan, talk a little more Petrino and UNLV, and then eventually we're going to uh, hook up with uh, Larry Centers, the former NFL running back. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at me, JVT, or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's that time of the week we check in with uh, one of our NFL insiders, Mark McMillan, the former Eagle, resident of Vegas, resident of Phoenix, and massive football fan. Raiders taking on the Patriots. So I talked to Mark just a little while ago and mentioned, hey, mentor versus student, what's going to happen here in this matchup? For the players, I, I think they're going to go out there and try to win the game. Uh, from a coach's standpoint, I guess you can say, you know, he was his boss, he was his buddy, gave him, you know, so many opportunities, they won Super Bowls together. But in the preseason, I was a little shocked as well as a lot of people to see that the Patriots had the run of the uh, facility, uh, the run of the uh, the hotel. Uh, it was almost like they just laid out the red carpet for the, for the Patriots when it's your town. And, you know, I... I know the players are going to be excited to get this opportunity uh, to play against the Patriots. They still have a little bit of uh, light at the tunnel, at the end of the tunnel. But, uh, you know, I'm sure Belichick ain't thinking about, hey, man, I'm going to throw my guy Josh a nugget. He's going to he's going to go out there and try to blitz Derek Carr. He's going to have those guys fired up to play. And Josh McDaniels, he just has that, like we talked about earlier, doesn't seem like he has that fire to be like, you know, I'm going out here and try to beat this guy. And I just. I just don't the thing is, I don't, I don't want to be fooled, Mark, by what McDaniels is saying because he's kind of, you know, he's downplayed, uh, you know, the game against his mentor. So I, I, I don't think they're going to lack fire. Just I don't know. There's a, there's a weird vibe. And then Raiders are also in a position where, yeah, they got to win all the games. But, you know, realistically, when you walk on the field, do you really believe that? And how do you perform when you're essentially a spoiler? It's not an easy situation to be in when you had hopes of winning 10 or 11 games and you're sitting at five and eight. Yeah, that's, that's that's tough as a player, but you know, you, uh, it's a job, and you still got to go out there and uh, do the best that you can, uh, because guys are looking at film, and I'm sure they're going to make some cuts uh, at the end of the season. Heck, they've been making cuts every week. It seems like every week somebody's been getting released. Yeah. They're bringing guys from other teams. They're bringing guys from the practice squad. Uh, so it, it's a it's an open door over there at the facility. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. I know everybody's going to be looking at the handshake before the game and see how that plays out. Yeah, a bunch more of the uh, Gruden Mayock guys uh, got you know released from the early in the season to these last couple of weeks. With uh, you know Trayvon Mullen's been bouncing around now, and uh, he just signed with the Cowboys. And John Abram went bye bye a few weeks back, and then uh, the beginning of this week or late last week, John Simpson, who was a, a fourth round pick of Gruden and Mayock out of Clemson, 
uh, he got released. All right, the other big news of the week with Mark McMillan, our football insider, to mention is UNLV making waves with yeah. Bobby Petrino, who has an unbelievable track record going back 30-plus yeah. years as, as an offensive guy. His two head coaching stints, they ended oddly, uh, but <laughs> the numbers his offense has put up were mind-boggling. What do you think is higher? I mean, I think it says something about UNLV that they're willing to take some chances and, and walk that line and give, you know, in this case, someone a, you know, like a fourth or fifth chance. Um, a lot of people notice this hire around the country of Bobby Petrino as a new OC. Yeah, it, it's exciting news if you're a UNLV rebel. As a fan and as a player, they're on the ESPN ticker. You know, they're getting a lot of, uh, you know, uh, coverage because of Petrino uh, joining the staff, you know, when they hired Odom, it was it was a little splash. But when they hired Pertino, it was like, whoa, you know, th this is something as a as a player, as a fan, you got to be excited about uh, the man. You know, whatever he done in the past, if you like you spoke of his offenses score a lot of points and they're very productive. He knows how to coach quarterbacks. Uh, so it's a great it's a great hire for for UNLV. If you're trying to go to that next level, at least you're showing the fans and the players like, Hey, we're trying to get the best coaches out there. We're not just going with these fly-by-night college gurus who just, you know, ready to bounce after their bowl game is over. You know, you're getting a veteran guy who's been a head coach at the highest level, and he's coached Heisman Trophy winners. So if I'm Brumfield, I'm a little excited about this hire. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. If I'm the backups, I'm excited about it. You know, yeah. stick around. <laughs> you know, I don't think all of them are going to stick around, but, um, you know, you're going you're gonna to learn how to be a better quarterback. I, I think Aiden Robbins – uh, should take a serious look at coming back. I'm yeah. sure he's going to have some great offers. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Kyle Williams, the receiver, but this is an offense that's going to chug here. And it's funny looking back because we just talked to uh, Stefan LaFleur a little while ago, one of the first quarterbacks that uh, Petrino coached as a head coach. And those Louisville teams back in 2003, 2004, averaged like 49 points a game. And then, you know, they were they were playing real opponents and they, they were lighting up the freaking scoreboard. I guess the... There is a downside here, though, because his some of his stints ended, some in controversy. He had the issue with, you know, the uh, his his side piece at, and, and a motorcycle accident at Arkansas. You know, that was an embarrassing incident. Uh, he walked on Louisville to go to the Atlanta Falcons, and he walked back to college football uh, after not making it through an entire season with the Falcons. I guess I guess the kids don't care. Should should fans care that you know, he's had some issues with? kind of sticking with it, and he's been a little flighty in terms of, hey, the next job is here, and, and can we also chalk it up? Hey, you know what? That happened around, you know, 10-plus years ago, so maybe, like many of us, he's actually matured and grown up now at 61 years old. <laughs> yeah, I think if you just take it with a grain of salt, you know, this is a – I don't know when the last time UNLV hired a guy with this kind of star power that comes with a, a good resume besides, what, John Robinson, and that was a long time ago, um, but – if I'm a player, like you said, Steve, I'm thinking twice if I'm going to transfer. Uh, you know, he's got a proven record. And, you know, if I'm an offensive guy, I'm thinking like, hey, you know, I, I need to uh, rethink what I'm doing and go light up the scoreboard. And, you know, obviously, you know, he's put the staff together as far as the defensive guys. It'd be interesting to see who he brings in uh, on that side of the ball as well. But, you know, there's a lot of college coaches out there with some bad passes, but they've been able to, you know, resurrect their career you look at uh you know kiffin and old miss uh you know you look at sark at texas you know so there's a lot of coaches out there with some baggage but they're still coaching and they're doing a good job in college football what do you got coming up this weekend um this weekend is full man i'm, I'm, I'm going to be out at the uh, mandalay bay today to support the uh, las vegas desert dogs 
the new lacrosse team. And then tomorrow I'll be over there uh, at the stadium uh, covering Oregon State and Florida, you know, supporting my guy, Coach Napier, who I've been knowing for a long time since his ASU days, uh, coaching at Florida. And then we got Sunday, you know, pregame live on Channel 8 at 8 a.m. with my guys. And then go check out the Patriots and the Raider game. And, of course, we got to fire up the grill. My new Grilla Grill sponsor is excited. Olive oils are infused and on the way shipped out. And uh, Barbecue Concepts just put in a nice order uh, here in the Valley. And we're teaming up with Evil Pie Pizza next month. Uh, we're going to have a Grilla McMillan Mesquite Chicken Infused Pizza that we're going to donate a dollar for each slice uh, to the Nathan Adelson Hospice Care here in the Valley. So each slice, we're going to donate a dollar to Hospice Care uh, here in Las Vegas. So I'm excited about that. Mark McMillan, in our weekly conversation, caught up with him just before the show. I uh, have part two of the conversation coming up, and we're going to be joined by Larry Centers on not only the Patriots, who he played for and won a Super Bowl with, but also the mess that is the Cardinals. That's coming up in just a couple of minutes. But right now, giveaway time. VGK, big week of home games. Big week of home games. Get out uh, all week long. Uh, it starts uh, this weekend as the uh, games roll through Friday, 1223, 7 o'clock. AXS.com is where you can get the tickets. Blues are in town. St. Louis against the Vegas Golden Knights. Ari's got a pair of tickets right now, 364-1100. Caller number seven, Vegas Golden Knights tickets on Cofield and Company. Tomorrow at 9 a.m., it's Throw the Flag with Willie Ramirez and Gooch, live from the Treasure Island, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. So let's talk some more NFL here on a Friday uh, convo with Mark McMillan and uh, Larry Centers, former NFL running back, is in as well and i want to start talking about the cardinals to begin because cardinals uh, arizona is a weird situation here and we have a real question about mike bidwell the owner uh being buddies with steve keim and maybe that's the problem here now keim has taken a leave of absence with uh, some unnamed health issue i'm not mocking on it, it it's it's i'm sure it's 100 percent legit but decisions have to be made here um you know for mark like what what is what's going on with this debacle and now now Kime's got issues what's happening Kime has been in trouble you know it seemed like every year something's coming about come out about him off the field and you know and now he's taking another leave of absence they say health issues uh but like you said Steve um it's almost like the buddy buddy system you know Cleanberry came out of college wasn't really that successful at Texas Tech you know and then he gets a head job with the Cardinals um obviously you know Kyler Murray came in off the scene that was his guy ever since high school it seemed like he's been trying to get Kyler Murray since high school back in Allen Texas and you know you just can't have that uh, buddy buddy system uh especially in the National Football League you know I know those guys look out for each other uh from top to bottom but a business side of the things I think Clingsbury like say Larry I don't see I don't like to see anybody get fired but at some point, Steve, you gotta you gotta cut your losses if you're trying to go in that direction to be better. Uh, it seems like you know with the rift with Cleansbury and, and Murray earlier in the season, you know it seemed like they were battling. You know it was like an ego trip with those two guys, and I, I think uh, somebody's got to go. I know Kyler's gonna be he's gonna be down for for a while, uh, so you know you you just can't have that, Steve. Yeah, they to me they got to get Kyler Murray right, and I'll ask both of you guys starting with Larry. If they do move on from Cliff Kingsbury, what kind of coach does he need? Because we've got – I talk about this often. We've got these offensive gurus, and I call them kind of the nerds 
of football, like Staley and Mike McDaniel. And both guys played. Uh, yeah. You know, and then there's the giant guys who are fired up, like Dan Campbell. Um, what does Kyler Murray need? Does he need, you know, a, a, like an offensive genius, or does he need kind of a, a fire and brimstone guy who's going to yell at him every once in a while? What do you think? Steve, I think that, number one, Kyler Murray is going to need, or the Cardinals, Cardinals organization is going to need a coach that comes in and puts players in a position to do what they do well and make it all work together. Um, I don't know who that might be. I think Sean Payton might be a good person to look at. I think he'd be uh, a good disciplinarian. He's done it before. He had some success. And, uh, and Steve, I, I, I kind of agree with you on the buddy-buddy system. They probably need to uh, create a system of checks and balances. Don't just hire a bunch of people who are friends and, you know, this, that look the part. you got to have some production at the, uh, at the head coaching job. Yeah, I think I think you you're right about that. They need somebody in there with a little bit of fire, uh, somebody that they're going to respect. You look at this guy's career through high school, through college. You know, he's been cuddled. You know, all through his pretty much his whole career. There's no coach that really challenged him uh, on and off the field. And then when they did try to challenge him in the offseason about his contract, you see how that turned out. So you know, they have to have somebody that's going to step in that locker room, uh, that's going to have you know that authority figure. Um, I like uh, Larry said, you know, Peyton would be a good figure for that locker room. Uh, he's an offensive guy, so he knows about quarterbacks and he's respected around the National Football League. And, you know, if you just bring another rah-rah college coach in there, Kyler's going to be like, he's going to play like that. And, you know, until you bring somebody in with some authority, uh, guys are going to continue to have these, you know, these kind of struggles. And you look at Detroit, you know, obviously those guys are playing hard for that coach right now. And, you know, he's fired up, but he challenges those guys. Uh, you look in Carolina, you know, with the interim coach. He's challenging the players and the, and the GMs. He's calling everybody out. But those players are rallying behind the Carolina Panthers, and they're actually playing really good right now. Mark, I think you bring up a very good point, man, in that you have to have some strong assistance. Um, no matter who you hire as a head coach, you know, you got to have some behind-the-scenes guys that's, that's damn near head coaches, you know, that, that probably has had – experience in the past at the head coaching position. I think I've seen some success with teams doing that, you know, uh, and letting the defensive guy kind of handle the defensive side and, you know, the offensive coach, be if he's the head coach, handle the offensive side. And, and have, some, put it players, together at and the have end. some players in that locker room that, that's going to hold these guys accountable. Uh, like when we played in Washington, man, there was so many veterans in that locker room uh, that held each other accountable. You know, I can look to my right. There's Dell Green. I look to my left. You, if you sit next to me in the meeting, you know, there's Larry Sinners. There's Marco Coleman. Uh, you know, there's Big Daddy Dan Wilkinson. There was a lot of guys, Michael Westbrook, that held each other accountable yeah. in practice. It was battles in practice. And if you didn't step up to the plate, no man, uh, especially going against Michael Westbrook, he yeah. would punch you in the face and wouldn't even think twice about it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I saw, I saw Michael Westbrook at the National Football Foundation last week because he's going into the College Football Hall of Fame. And uh, I thought about that. I was like, that, that's a guy if you step up on, he would he would wipe you out because he actually went into mixed martial arts. <laughs> he could he could yeah. fight. He had, he had a mentality. So, Larry, I wanted to lean on you. We're talking to Larry Sanders and Mark McMillan here on Cofield and Company. So we're getting ready for Patriots and Raiders. So you were with the Patriots. You got a Super Bowl. You know, it's interesting. I, I didn't realize until I looked it up that Josh McDaniels was just starting out with the Patriots. I have no idea if you had any interaction with him because at that time, the guy we know as an offensive guru was actually a defensive assistant that year in 2003. Did you have much interaction? He was a really young guy back then. 
He was very, very much so. Uh, I didn't have any interaction with him at all, you know, just um, hiding by in the hallway, you know, maybe. But, no, he was just an assistant and um, kind of just a guy that just was hanging around. He wasn't telling anybody anything. He was just kind of observing from from his position as an assistant. But uh, we never really had any interaction with him on the offensive side of the ball. As, as you moved out of the NFL um, and you talked to former players, like what was – McDaniel's reputation because you know it's worked okay at times here this year but there's been a lot of times where it just it doesn't look like it's clicking so what were players impressions of Josh McDaniels as a as a coach and potentially a future head coach well from the guys I've talked to you know he seems to be a much better coordinator than he is a head coach you know you see a lot of guys like that uh, around the league in the past but uh, you know hopefully he can get things turned around out there with the Raiders um he's He's definitely had uh, his share of opportunities. You know, he was with the Broncos there for a little while and uh, didn't seem to fare too well there. And this is his second chance. Maybe he learned from the first go-round. But uh, I don't know. The Raiders, uh, they're kind of hit and miss these days. And, you know, they're just not clicking on all cylinders quite quite yet. But um, hopefully he'll get things turned around out there. Uh, you know, him being a better offensive coordinator as to a head coach. And that's something, you know, a lot of people have been talking about here in Las Vegas and across the league. You know, obviously, like you said, he had a stint in Denver. Didn't go quite as well uh, here in Las Vegas. You know, it seems that sometimes early on he lost the locker room. Uh, they rallied behind those guys and got a couple more wins as well. But it just seems like, Steve, we talked about the buddy-buddy system and Mark Davis goes out and hires, you know, the next, I guess, offensive genius that you're supposed to be, but we're not seeing it play out each week here in Las Vegas. And when you have one of the best receivers in the league, you have one of the top running backs in the league, but they forgot about the defensive side. And that's where you go. You got to hire guys on the defensive side to stop somebody. This is a scoring league. You got to find guys that can cover and guys that can get after the quarterback. Obviously, Max Jones, Max Crosby is one of the best in the league. Chandler Jones is hit or miss. It seems like he's playing better of late, but uh, it's got to be a team effort, and that's really interesting that you said he's a better offensive coordinator hearing from guys on the streets. Yep. Yeah, the, the thing that gets me with McDaniels is Devontae Adams saying during the season that learning his offense was like learning Mandarin. Derek Carr constantly talking early on about trying to learn the offense, and to me, if you're a good head coach and you're going to be the O.C., you can't feed the team your offense with a fire hose and, and just, you know, and mind boggle them. Larry, did you ever play for a, an offense coordinator where it was like, coach, this is, this is too much. Like we're, you know, we're not, we need some time to learn this offense. You're giving us too much. Well, I played for several different offenses over the years and, and different coordinators, but uh, and the, the terminology is different from offense to offense, but usually um, the concepts are, are pretty much the same in terms of spacing and, and protection and things like that. But Charlie Weiss was a was a very um, difficult guy to work with in terms of, like you said, feeding the, the offense with the fire holes, feeding them, you know, just expecting everybody to know what everybody else is going to do on one particular play. It just doesn't happen overnight, you know. So some of the responsibility has to be put on the on the teacher, you know, to, to give the information where it could be collectively understood. And uh, sometimes offenses can get so sophisticated that you got, you know, it's a breeding ground for mistakes. And as everybody knows in the National Football League, all it takes is one mistake on offense and it's a busted play. 
So you just want to be able to create a system that guys can understand, rules that, that uh, stay consistent, you know, not floating. It can't be different standards from week to week. You know, you just have to be, you know, get guys on the same page. So a lot of the responsibility falls on the teacher in my, in my um, estimation when you're talking to a group of a room full of people. Yeah, I, I would like to kind of spin it off of, of what you're talking about. You know, we can we can, you know, go to college football. We talk about coaches and leaders. Uh, I know Deion Sanders is making a lot of noise there in Boulder, Colorado, since being on board. Uh, you went to Stephen F. Austin University. Um, it seems like the, the, the HBCU community, a lot of people are not excited about Deion leaving Jackson State like that. And, you know, from your from your uh, standpoint, how do you feel about Dion getting an opportunity to coach at Boulder, uh, which is a power five school. First of all, I thought, you know, I have to go to the beginning. Dion did a phenomenal job, man, out in, in Jackson State. He went there. He, he showed them the possibilities of what they can accomplish. And uh, I think he'd be a fool to not, you know, explore a different opportunity and try to raise up. And uh, I think in his words, he wanted to get his assistants paid and get them uh, compensated the same way. So, you you know, anytime you're in a position of leadership and you're doing the job the right way, you're not going to please everybody. And uh, it's unfortunate that that he had to leave Jackson State, but I completely understand and applaud him for the work that he did there. And I uh, wish him nothing but great success moving forward in, uh, in Colorado. Larry Sanders with us, Mark McMillan. Larry, what do you got going on for the holidays and uh, what are you looking forward to in 2023? What are you working on? Man, I'm chilling, man. Um, I do a Super Bowl show every year. You know, the Super Bowl is in Phoenix this year, which is my old stomping grounds, as Mark knows all too well. But uh, so we're trying to plan some stuff for the Super Bowl coming up. Uh, hopefully, you know, we'll have an exciting matchup this year. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like the Cardinals will be participating. But, um, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, being an alumni down there in, in Arizona, um, it's, an, it's exciting. Got a comedy show coming up the week of the Super Bowl on Wednesday leading up and uh, at the improv and, and uh, Tempe. So you already know you, Hey, you already know your VIP <laughs> Grilling McMillan. I might have your whole section set up roped off for you. Well, you know, I come with a little crowd, you know, I don't, I don't travel with a big crowd. It's always just me and my little crew, man. So we're looking forward to supporting it. Then shout out to the NFL alumni chapter in Arizona, man. I know they do a great job. I know next uh, months is coming up for the Kwame Lasseter golf uh, tournament. We know we lost him a couple years, uh, you know, uh, suddenly to a heart attack. So uh, can you elaborate on that? I know you played with him for a while and, and what it means to you to come back and play in that tournament each year. Man, Kwame was my guy. You know, I think about him all the time, man. And, uh, you know, I have to smile about some of the memories that we created when he was with us. You know, we played a lot of golf together. But uh, his wife, Erica, puts on a uh, – a, a tournament every year in his in his memory. Um, I think it'll be January sixth. I think is the is the date that uh, he he suddenly left us. And uh, it's been a great turnout the first few years, and a lot of guys come and show up for it, man. And looking forward to uh, the reunion again this year, and and uh, remembering my guy Kwame, and um, just excited to be out there. I think that's January sixth. All right, Larry. We appreciate it. Have a good holiday and uh, get that comedy set ready. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear that. And uh, hopefully, we see you down in uh, Phoenix for the Super Bowl. All right, Steve, Mark. Great to be with you guys, man. Two former NFL players, Mark McMillan, Larry Centers, with Cofield and Company. Larry, of course, uh, best known for his run with the Cardinals. 
was, uh, you know, one of the really one of the first guys to go out there and get targeted like 90 times out of the backfield, kind of setting the tone for what goes on now. 9,000 yards from scrimmage, nearly 42 touchdowns, and a good charitable event. Another thing I love about the holidays, everyone steps up, Mark's stepping up with his Evil Pie promotion, and uh, he was talking about the Kwame Lasseter golf coming up on January 6th. And speaking of that, there's a Josh Jacobs meet and greet coming up in about 20 minutes. It goes uh, just a little short of 8 o'clock, but it starts at 6. Valley Automall, so if you're driving around, you're on the east side, get over there. Ford Country, Valley Automall, Q Myers from Raider Nation Radio 920, and the Raiders running back, Josh Jacobs, are on the scene. They're doing this meet and greet to benefit the Serving Our Kids Foundation. People can drop off boxes of individually wrapped food like ramen, beef ravioli, oatmeal, applesauce, granola bars, cookies, cheese crackers, Really good cause, and you get to meet and greet with Q and Josh Jacobs. Again, it starts up in just a little bit, goes a little short of 8 o'clock. Ford Country, Valley, Autumn All, go meet Josh Jacobs. Join Cofield and company on Mondays for the live 2 to 5 show at Twin Peaks in Henderson. Big beers for under 4 bucks. Select appetizers are 2 4 and $6. Come hang at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, John, let's close out strong. John Von Tobel's company, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Tomorrow, throw the flag. It will be out here again, 9 a.m. to 11. Beginning of a massive, massive slate. Of bowl games. And? I was going to say capped by the Las Vegas Bowl, but they had to move the time. So 11.30 and what? Three NFL games. That's a good point. Saturday football. Colts, Vikings. Yep. The highlight of the day. Got to hope the, the Colts lose. You're a Colts fan. I was uh, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know, know that that's the highlight of the day. I want the Colts to lose. So bad. God, I love the point spreads in the NFL this year. The, the records are they're, they're relevant, but in a lot of ways they're so irrelevant. Colts getting three and a half at mini. I think the market's just a little down on Minnesota. I mean, so for those who didn't keep track of what happened last week, Vikings opened up as about a three-point favorite on a look-ahead line the week prior. Reopened as about like a one-and-a-half-point favorite against Detroit, and the market just completely went in Detroit's favor. They closed like two-and-a-half. They ended up winning that game covering. So the market's kind of like, ah, oh, the Vikings aren't that good. They might not be in the grand scheme of things. I think they're that much better than the Colts, though. Ravens have a little trouble at quarterback right now. Really having to test the depth. What are you talking about? Ty Huntley's just as good as Lamar Jackson. Getting three against the Browns. Uh, yes. And here's the thing. I feel like I'm in a little bit of a pickle. My quarterback situation in fantasy is really not that great, and I've got a semifinal matchup this weekend. I think I'm going to start Tyler Huntley against the terrible Browns defense. The question you ask is, is Deshaun Watson going to suck this entire time, or is he going to start to get better here? This might be an opportunity for him to get better. Right? A couple games into the belt, kind of like a preseason thing against a beleaguered offense for the Baltimore Ravens. Seems like a good spot for Cleveland. Game of the day, I think, in terms of implications. And what could happen to the Dolphins? This could be the middle beginning of just a massive flop down the stretch. Bills, seven. Do we have a weather update? Because Mike McDaniel tried to poo-poo that. It's going to be snowing. And it's what they call the heavy stuff. So, oh, yeah. The kid from Hawaii better, uh, better get ready <laughs> because it's going to be cold and there's going to be a lot of precipitation. I tease the Bills down. I, I think that's the way to go. So you can tease it right, get it down to Bills minus one. 
I used that with Steve. I had some premonition. I teased up the Raiders to plus seven when they were underdogs. Raiders are now favored, by the way. Um, look, I actually kind of want to come on here and say I think the Bills are going to lay a whooping on the Miami Dolphins. But then the response would be, then why don't you lay seven? I was like, because yeah, I don't want to. So <laughs> I think that's a little bit of a tighter number. Is there a bowl game that uh, floats your boat or just the Las Vegas Bowl tomorrow? Uh, not really. Fresno, Washington State. I, I want to watch that. I don't know if it like floats my boat in terms of in terms of action, but I will say this. So I was looking around. I don't know if there's been like just some buyback or something happened with Oregon State. So did you see how high this number got for the Beavers? Uh, ten and a half. And now it's like nine. So there was I'm like saying eight and a half. Yeah. See, so there's been some like real buyback here, and it's funny. I floated this question on Vison to a college betting expert, and they were like. They're like, nah, ten and a half is fine. You can go ahead and play it. And I was like, I don't know about that. Like, I feel like that's a little too high. And then, sure enough, we're back down to eight and a half. Like, motivation only carries you so far, right? Oregon State has been the best cover team in the country this season, next to Tulane. They both have the same cover rate. But now, like, yes, they're highly motivated to win. Yes, they've been the best cover team in the NFL, uh, in the country. Yes, Florida doesn't really have anything to play for. It. A bunch of guys are sitting out. But at some point, that pendulum swings way too far in the other. Yeah, way. we had a good take yesterday. From Brad Powers, who said he was not going to try for the middle, you know, at five and a half and ten, because but he did say there's value at ten on Florida. Yeah. And while we've had some people come on the show and they're like, yeah, Anthony Richardson's gone, uh, you know, they're they're screwed at quarterback. Some of these Power Five programs, you start to look at their backups and you're like, oh, Jack Miller is the backup right. who was at Ohio State, who was a four star recruit. Doesn't mean he's like you know a great quarterback, but Powers brought up, he's like, I actually kind of like the guy, right. so I don't think they're dead in the water. It's not like you know enjoy covering the team, but it's not like UNLV, right? If UNLV, well, UNLV starts, by name, the backups should have been good, right? But to your point, like it's not the same depth, it's not the same quality of depth. So when you start to lose bodies there, then it becomes a problem, and it, it, there just becomes a point where the market is overvaluing some of the positive factors that are working in favor of the team that we're talking about, i.e., Oregon State. All right, back to the NFL on Sunday. You've played nothing this weekend, or you just wait? No, I have. Okay. I got a teaser. Like I said, I got the teaser with the Bills and the uh, the Raiders. Um, I had a bet last night. I do have Jags plus five. What was I, your bet last night? Under. Okay, I had Seahawks. Yeah. That didn't work. No. I mean, it, you were kind of, <laughs> it was the sharp play, if you will. So you were on the right side, Steve. Right side loser. I right. got a lot of those. Um, I'm going you, broke. You can take pride in it. Uh, <laughs> or you can do what Twitter is now doing, which is tweeting at bookmakers and demanding refunds for things, which is always a lot of fun. Um and then, I, yeah, so I, I have the Jags plus five against the Cowboys. I think that number's down to like four and a half, four. Um, and I laid it with the Chargers, with your significant other's Chargers. But that's a whole story i got to tell next. But she has gotten very impatient with the Chargers. Big win on Sunday night, though, on Sniff. She is, I don't know. I'll, I'll talk about it next week. It's, it's, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. So, college basketball tomorrow. Yeah. In town, Rebels going against San Fran. San Fran smacked them last year. I was there. Uh, they lost by 21, and it felt worse than that. And it was interesting, talking to Kruger yesterday, and by the way, all this audio is up at our uh, UNLV All-Access page. Talking to Kruger yesterday, I mentioned, hey, you know, what do you remember about them, and what do you remember about that game? Because it got pretty heated after the game. Mike Nuga was really angry, uh, former Rebel guard, and... And he's like, yeah, it was a turning point of our season. We needed to flush some stuff out. We were trying some new things in the SMU game in San Fran, and, you know, they got beat up pretty good. He's like, it turned around the season, and they went 14-9 down the stretch. So I hope they have long memories, the guys who were holding over. And 
They're going to have to adjust on defense, John. No Elijah Parquet. Yeah. Probably for a while. And they got Khalil Shabazz is a pretty good scorer if he can get there. And he's a little bit smaller, so it's not that big of a matchup. But Parquet's awesome, man. And my favorite matchups, I know I talk about this all the time, big V, small, small playing, you know, one one guy in, four out with the Rebels. The Dons have two seven-footers that they play together. And another 6'9 guy coming off the bench. I can't wait to see this. Force bigs to defend on the perimeter, run and run and, you know, pressure and play defense. It's going to be awesome. That game goes down tomorrow at 2 o'clock. But early in the morning, 9 a.m., Willie and Gooch here back at the uh, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Have a good weekend.